Welcome to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast in Montreal, Quebec. It is race week for the Canadian Grand Prix, and we are here to give you another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast, your favorite podcast of all time. As always, I am Ian. And I'm Marco. And Marco, how are we feeling? Good, just fighting off heat stroke down here in the south. But uh, other than that, got a fun race to look forward to. Yeah, there's a fun update on my end is that we are headed for some 90 plus degree days and the AC just went out this week. So my dog might die. So yeah. that's, that's a bummer, but it's, at least it'll be hot. Uh, wow. Lovely building you got there. Oh, yeah. Nothing. You cannot beat our building. Uh, enough about us. Let's get to what you're here to listen to. The racing podcast of the century here. Today's episode, we are going to go through some recent headlines. Um, not too slim pickings, actually. There were some cool things that are uh, or things that are cool to talk about now. Uh, we'll go to a grand preview of Montreal, and we will talk about our race predictions, which we are currently tied at. So to get right into it, let's start off with our recent headlines. First off, uh, kicking off our recent headlines, the FIA, this actually just came out a couple, like about an hour before we started recording this podcast, but the FIA has issued directive uh, to reduce the porpoising on safety grounds. It mentions a quantitative limit for an acceptable level of vertical oscillations. So put into English terms for us simpletons, basically it's saying you, if you're going to porpoise, your car can only hit the ground so hard. Uh, before you have to essentially like you'll receive a penalty from the FIA. So Mercedes, uh, you know, we had Lando talking about last week the his comment saying, you know, Mercedes could probably just raise their ride height, but it would sacrifice performance. So they're essentially putting a driver in danger to not sacrifice performance. And now Mercedes is going to have to make some uh, some adjustments because there I saw a graph of like their vertical oscillations when this came out, and they're about double of everybody else. So yeah, other people are porpoising, but Mercedes is like jackhammer por- porpoising, and this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a bit. I think it's gonna have huge like implications on how Mercedes does this weekend. Yeah, I saw Mercedes trying to take a spin to it, being like, oh well, there's a difference between porpoising and bouncing, and so <laughs> some of ours has been bouncing. Yeah. Uh, nope, it's it's pretty much the same. Yeah, I don't know how much different you could be like. Oh no, that's a uh, that's boom boom bouncing versus just boom bouncing. Like yeah, it's uh, right. two, two different things. Yeah, so we should definitely change the rules. That helps us a little bit more because this is really gonna affect us. Yeah, every everybody has to change the rules because everybody's bouncing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Poor poor people. Exactly. All right, sticking with Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton makes the list of top donors. He has donated 7% of his wealth to charity, which makes him officially the fifth most generous person in Great Britain. Uh, Ian, do you want to stick with your claim of, like, you know, Lewis is all for, you know, all for show and he's kind of a bad guy and secretly kind of a POS? Yeah, I feel like this would be pretty easy to rebrand to he's the fifth most um, tax evading uh, Britain uh, person in Britain just because of his tax write-offs. So yeah, congratulations on fifth place for the most tax write-offs that you'd never have to pay. Big, wow. big congratulations. So to pr- pretty service. much any anyone that donates to charity, it's more of a tax evasion. It's not... No, when Lewis Hamilton donates to charity, <laughs> it's a tax <laughs> evasion. Yeah, that bastard. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, kidding aside, that's good for him. I think like the there, you know, that's an awesome like claim to fame, not just for him, but like for the, you know, it's kind of like by uh, by osmosis the sport, 
like you're like, hey, look at look at our look at him. That's yeah, donating all the money. Yeah, so good for him. Moving on to uh, from Mercedes to a Mercedes-powered car. Uh, Williams plans. <laughs> I saw this headline and I was like, oh Jesus, why are they even trying? So Williams has plans for a quote visibly different F1 car in Canada. Um, I th- I feel like we've heard this a lot, but uh, like it's. Just when someone's saying like, "Oh, guys, we these upgrades that we got, you uh, especially the back of the team grids." Like, remember when Aston Martin had those like uh, the green Red Bull stuff? It was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, when you see what we got cooking for this weekend, y'all are gonna shit your pants." But uh, but yeah, I don't necessarily see how this is gonna be too much different. Uh, I still think they're gonna be at the back of the grid, but I will consider a Nick Latifi podium for my wildcard prediction, just in case this is actually true. Yeah, I um, I was looking at the article, and initially you see that, and then a little bit down, they're like, hey, yeah, due to the budget, you know, we're just trying to make changes that are like a uh, big bang for your buck. So basically, they're saying, hey, we couldn't spend that much money. So I'm I'm assuming we're not we're gonna see that uh, shown on the track as well, where it's like, hey, we said that we were gonna do all these changes, but you know, money only goes so far. Yeah, it's like instead of saying that we brought like some effective changes, it's like we brought some uh, like budget effective changes and that we didn't have to pay a lot for what we're getting. Like, okay, well, if it doesn't improve your position on track, then I don't even know why you spent any money in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, talking about uh, Antonio Giovinazzi. So he is now kind of in the mix of potentially making it back on the grid uh, just because he is Ferrari's reserve driver. He gets to you know be on the track every single week. Um, and kind of get eyes on him. So I think that was another name that has popped up for Haas potentially. So as of right now, it seems like actually um, Oscar Piastri as well as uh, Antonio Giovinazzi are kind of the up next guys for making it into Formula One. Um, I know Nick DeVries was kind of in the mix as well, but it seems like those two have, as of right now, kind of stood up and stood out as the, the next ones to potentially being considered. Uh, specifically with the Haas. I know Haas and that Ferrari-powered engine uh, has that connection with them as well. So we could be seeing an old uh, Formula One Jesus back on the grid. F1J, baby. F1J, can't wait to see him down there. He's, he, I like I like when he's around. Doesn't have do too much, too. but yeah. it's he's like a comforting feeling, comforting uh, presence. For sure. Um, all right, let's go. Let's rewind this podcast back and talk about porpoising because I, I do. I forgot to mention Alonso um, in all this. So all the F drive, all the F one drivers have acknowledged, like to some extent, hey, porpoising is like a, a genuine problem. Except for one guy, and that is Fernando Alonso. He like you know ever since. So Fernando Alonso, if like if you don't know the kind of the history between Alonso and Hamilton, they both started racing, or they both were racing together um, at McLaren when Lewis first joined F1, and obviously Lewis beat Fernando. So it's always been like this unwritten, like okay, Fernando absolutely hates Lewis. Um, so because of Lewis just getting absolutely thrashed around in his F1 car, Fernando seems to be like, oh, no, I don't really see it's a problem. Like, just change your setup. Like, you should, you know, this shouldn't be an issue for anybody. Uh, but, yeah, it was just kind of funny to see that Lewis Hamilton fans on the Internet were absolutely like, of course, like, this guy, he slows us down in Monaco. He doesn't care about porpoising. Like, he has all these bad things to say about Lewis. Like, come full support of Max. It's just nice to see it. Like, it's every now and then I'll forget, like, oh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton fans absolutely hate Fernando Alonso. And it's nice to see a little hatred every now and then yeah it seems it seems like the the fans hate alonzo lewis never i feel like makes those type of comments but alonzo 
every single chance he gets wants to make a little jabs at Lewis all the time. Even last year when it was that, like coming down to the final, like you could tell as much, he was rooting for Max as much as possible. Like every single time he was like, I'm rooting for Max, like straight up saying it. Uh, yeah, so it is definitely, and I mean, I think without their, their fighting on the track at McLaren, uh, the Iceman would not have won a uh, world championship himself. So I was a huge proponent of them kind of having that, those banter back and forth at McLaren days. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know we talked about Lewis being kind of a good Samaritan himself. Obviously, when that happens, we got to talk about our good guy, Seb. So uh, a lot of the discussions talking about the budget issues, he had a pretty good uh, and standout way to kind of fix this, take away the, the budget caps, but there should be an earnings cap. So every team has a certain amount of earnings that they can get. Everything outside of that goes to, you know, maybe a charity or something that would have a positive impact on the world. So I think this is a great way to, you know, instead of saving money, you're, you're distributing wealth to outside organizations that need it. I could not agree more with this. So it, it still increases the racing. You know, you're not, teams aren't really like stuck into saying, hey, you know, we cannot improve our car anymore. So racing is improved as well as, you know, just a, a better look on Formula One itself. Okay, I disagree that this is a good idea because oh. I think, uh, okay, let me qualify that. I would be okay with it if all that money, not just the driver's money, goes towards Formula One. Because the fact of the matter is because Formula One is growing so much, there are like, uh, you know, there's a C-suite team of Formula One. There are people making more and more money because of Formula One's growth. So as long as they're not making like exorbitant money, then I'm okay with it. Or as long as they don't have an increase as the sport grows, then great. But then have like, have everybody capped at, you know, at at what they currently are now. Um, But yeah, interesting Interesting that Seb is saying this now when he doesn't have a chance at being kind of the best in the world, but, you know. Well, maybe he's trying to say that now because it gives Aston Martin more time to really improve that car, make it a real Red Bull fake. (laughs) Speaking of Red Bull, just a little thing that I saw is that uh, Max Verstappen, we didn't mention this last podcast, but he's the youngest driver to reach 21 F1 wins. So youngest to get to 25 beat Seb by like 200 days and beat Michael Schumacher by almost four years. So um, it's it's something that I think we get caught up in the day-to-day drama of F1 a lot, but it's like, man, this is like, this is crazy that we're getting to see Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen like race at the same time. This is going to be one of those things where in like two or three years, whenever Lewis is gone, it's going to be like, damn, we got to see one of the, like arguably one of the best versus as of now, the best uh, in the world. So um, to ever do it. So it's, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's, it was a nice zoom out, realize that this, is, you know, history is happening. Every time Max wins, it was, it's like a, you know, it's, it's kind of a big deal. And it's awesome to see these two guys battling it out on track for, for the time that we have left seeing it. Yeah. I mean, man, what a head start did he have for compared to most of these drivers? I think he made oh, yeah. F1 in, at 17, like having yeah. compared to, you know, I think Lewis came at like 23 or something like that. I mean, it's just crazy <laughs> having six extra years to really, you know, rack up some points, rack up some wins for him. So, yeah, I mean, that is, I think that, I mean, keeping on this trajectory, he's going to bust all these records. For sure. Imagine being an F1 driver at 17. Like, what were you focused on at 17 years old? I'm not going to answer that. We're going to move along. (laughs) I think you probably, I think we all probably know that answer. (laughs) Uh, all right, our last thing for recent headlines, 
Uh, so I think over this past week, Formula One has just been accumulating a lot of money because a lot of tracks being renegotiated, contracts being extended. I think Azerbaijan moved back to 2036. I think um, Australia was 2035. So some, it looks like with a new track making it to the grid, South Africa will be joining Formula One in the near future. So uh, this has not been official, but it seems like rumblings and it looks like more likely than not, we'll be seeing them uh, take it to South Africa, which is exciting. Yeah, I, I mean, any new place is nice. I, we haven't raced in South Africa since 1993, so that was before I was born. be nice to see a little, uh, a little change. And that'll do it for our recent headlines. Let's move on to our Grand Preview in Montreal. The Canadian Grand Prix uh, that we have coming up. So F1 has held a Grand Prix in Canada, in Ontario, Quebec, and now in Montreal. It has been there since 1967 with only three years missed before COVID. So, uh, I mean, it has been kind of a staple. This specific track is the Gil Villeneuve track. It has 14 turns, two DRS zones, 70 laps. So um, the, the track itself, not too big. The first F1 race here was in 1978, won by Villeneuve, and eventually actually had the track named after him. Uh, he is the father of Jacques Villeneuve, who was the um, Formula One Drivers' Championship in 1997. This track itself, so it's a very fast, low downforce circuit. Uh, one of the drivers' favorites. So basically, it's a it's pretty much like a stop-start race. So there's uh, a lot of turns that are very um, heavy on the brakes, slow turns, and then it it shoots out into you basically go full throttle. So um, out of the corners, the track is quick flowing. Uh, the most iconic piece of the circuit comes right at the end of the lap, the Wall of Champions. Why is it called the Wall of Champions? There's actually been a number of famous championship caliber drivers, Damon Hill, Jacques Villeneuve, Michael Schumacher during the 1999 Canadian Grand Prix that uh, had a lot of excursions, some bumping into, so hence being named the Wall of Champions. Another tidbit about this track, pit times are very slow here, so it's actually less than 20 seconds. So pitting does not give you the disadvantage as a lot of other tracks may have. Like I said, a lot of combination of slow speed corners and interconnected by bursts of high speed straights. It is known to be very heavy on the brakes. So that is actually kind of one of the biggest concerns the teams are going to face this weekend is making sure that the brakes are cooled properly because of these slow speed corners. They're just putting a lot of pressure on the cars and on the brakes themselves. More on that, actually, almost a quarter of the lap itself, the drivers are actually slowing down the car. So it is just very... So overall, like I said, drivers, one of their favorite tracks to, to drive on uh, just allows them to really, you know, put the pedal to the metal, but um, it's very technical in these uh, these slow turns. So uh, very excited to, to see this. And, you know, with it being out for the past couple of years, um, teams really don't have that type of data to going into this like they typically would year after year. So I think this will be definitely um, interesting for the teams coming into it, just knowing kind of how to prepare their car properly. Yeah. I, I'm ex I mean, there's a lot of ex reason to be excited about going back to Canada. This is a cool track. Um, and then also, as far as weather goes, it's going to be like 69 on Sunday. Um, but we are going to see some rain potentially on quality day and practice day. So it's going to be one of those where it's like, yeah, you can collect data. 
you know, in practices, obviously in, in quality too, but it's probably going to be different if you're on different set of tires. So aside from not having a lot of data going into it, you know, we haven't raced here in three years. I think this is, this is going to be kind of a toss up of uh, just of, you know, who can, who can manage the best and adjust like kind of on the fly. So yeah, like you said, very excited for this one. Good to be back in old, uh, old Canada and Canada. Canada. Speaking of our race, uh, speaking of a race in Canada, let's get to our race predictions, eh? Before we get to our race predictions, we want to give a tip of the hat to one of our sponsors, Stroll's Canadian Maple Syrup. Sometimes life can be sour, like having all the money in the world but not winning at the thing you value most. Sometimes life can be bitter, like when you love a sport but it doesn't love you back. Sometimes life can be bland. Like Canada. So let's take all the things in life that are sour, bitter, and bland and make them sweet with Lance Stroll's authentic Canadian maple syrup and try to forget about the current state of your career. Stroll's Canadian maple syrup, the official maple syrup sponsor of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Put it on my pancakes every day there, eh? Oh, hey, pancakes, bacon, sausage. There's no limit to what you can put on those suckers, don't you know? Starting with our race predictions, uh, we are currently tied at 11 race predictions guessed correctly this season apiece. Uh, Marco, you have the floor for who will crash or DNF and not make it to the checkered flag of the Canadian Grand Prix. Who you got? I am going to go with, I mean, we've had our tinfoil hats on this guy for a while about him not finishing the race. I'm going to go with uh, Guan Yu Zhou. That is a great guess. <laughs> I think, I mean, his team has fucked him in every potential way. Um, and again, it's obviously just because they don't want to give him up to anybody else. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to swing for the fences a little bit here. I think with these changes that the FIA is giving Mercedes, I think I'm going to put Lewis Hamilton on a crash or DNF uh, for Canada. He's done pretty well recently. I think he's, uh, I think he's finished. Has he had a single DNF actually in the last? Uh, or this season at all? I don't think he has. I don't believe so. And he also has a record tying seven races won in Canada. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a talk about a wild boy. They call me the crazy guy. Yeah, no DNFs for Hamilton. So, should have been my wild card, but put me down for Hamilton DNF. My next, uh, on the other side of the spectrum of who is going to win this race, I think I'm just going to ride the hot hand with uh, Sergio Perez. I think he's put in some awesome, you know, some awesome performances, and I don't see why that would have to stop in Canada. Hopefully, we can avoid some team orders from Red Bull, but put me down for Perez as the winner of the Canadian Grand Prix. Like it, I like it. I am going to say. And I need this to happen. I need Ferrari to figure their shit out because uh, <laughs> the drivers themselves haven't. I mean, maybe signs, you know, his hit or misses on um, his performance, but. Charles has been doing everything he can to perfection. So I'm going to say Ferrari figures it out. Charles gets the win. I hope so, man. Let's, yeah, let's try to make this a competitive fucking one-two finish, you know? Let's, ha- let's have more. Yeah, let's have it before like a third of the season is over. We don't want to have it, you know, someone already pulling away. But yeah, oh, yeah. We're, I, I, I like that. We're well past a third. This is coming That's into true, week nine. Dude. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, my last place is going to be Yuki Sonoda. I don't think he's been uh, too hot recently, so I'm just going to do that. 
Good guess. I am going to go with the hometown homeboy with uh, Nicholas Latifi. I just need him to finish the race. That's what I'm concerned about. Nick Latifi obviously is a champion himself, so I'm worried about him wanting to add the name uh, Latifi to the wall of champions that we talked about earlier. But yeah, give me Nicholas Latifi finishing the race and coming across last during the checker flag. Um, driver of the day is our next race prediction. I've been doing it a lot. Hasn't necessarily worked out all that much, but I'm going to double down on Sergio Perez for winner and driver of the day. Um, maybe if he doesn't win, maybe he puts in a good enough performance to be voted driver of the day, but put me down. Sergio Perez, Canada GP driver of the day. All right. I'm going to go with his counterparty, Max, just because he wins a lot. He's a good driver, I guess. Pretty, pretty, pretty simple explanation for that one. <laughs> My douche of the day, douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. There has been a lot of advertisement, actually, on Summer's Eve that I've been noticing recently. Um, I think a big thanks to us, because we're getting the name out. So, uh, douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. <laughs> My douche of the day is going to be Lance Stroll. Canadian, coming in, sucks ass right now. Going to try to overcompensate. Yeah. Well, I was going to put Lance Stroll because I wanted Canadians on my race predictions board, but if you're going to take Lance Stroll, then I'm just going to double down again. Oh, my Last gosh. place and Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's two double downs before we even got, you know, we got three predictions left. Um, the first of those three left, wild card prediction. George Russell is always finishing the top five every race this season. Lewis Hamilton has only had one race where he's finished outside of the points. I'm going to say that Mercedes, with this new change on the FIA, Mercedes does not bring home any points for the Constructors' uh, Championship today. So no points for Merck. Ferrari did it last week. Uh, you know, we know it's possible. Red Bull did it the first race of the season. I think it's Mercedes' turn to have a no-points weekend. All right, I'm going to go completely opposite of this. Uh, I know because of these changes, I don't have a high feeling. And I'm, I don't think I've gotten a wildcard prediction even re remotely close uh, at all. Okay. I think Bottas was a top four finish. I think he finished like 16. Um, I'm going to go with Lewis Podium, which I haven't seen him much there uh, recently. And um, I, I am fairly confident I'm going to be way off on this again. Yeah. Dude, remember the like first race of the season? His only podium was in uh, Bahrain, that first race yeah, of the when, season. when both Red and Bulls. Yeah. Exactly. Both Red Bulls were out, but he was like, man, Lewis just finds a way. Like, it's going to be a tough he's season, but he's going to be up on that podium a lot. And, yeah, ever since then, he has not even uh, – like, he's gotten P4 last race and, and in Australia, but, I mean, he is not really uh, – He's not sniffing. Yeah, he's not making it close either. I mean, he was a good ch chunk of change behind George anyway. You know, it was like a four, yeah. but, you know – you got to clarify what, what how we got to four. Exactly, yeah. Azerbaijan, oh, the P4. It's like, okay, well, both Ferraris were out. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> Australia, P4. It's like, okay, well, yeah, Max, Max, like Max was out. Like, you got to qualify all of his good performances at this point. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm all in for that. Lewis on the podium is a great wild card. All right, my fastest, my fastest lap is going to. Uh, I'm going to kind of double down, do the old Ian double down, similar to my driver of the day. I'm going to go with Max as fastest lap. All right, and if I could triple down with Sergio Perez as winner, driver of the day, and fastest lap, I would. But I did pick Sergio to win fastest lap last week, so I'm not going to triple down uh, and give me a Charles Leclerc fastest lap. Uh, just nicking an extra point for Ferrari after they desperately need some after last week. I like it a lot. 
And lastly, for our pull position, I kind of struggled on this one. Um, I, like, I, you know, we haven't seen Canada in a while. We don't know who, like, is super comfortable with it. But I think just because of his embarrassing P3 uh, placement in quality last time around, Max is going to come back with a vengeance here. So put me down for a Max Verstappen pull position. I like it. I'm going to go with a guy that has just been, um, he just loves pulls, you know? I know you love polls, just, you know, yours might have a stripper on it, but uh, I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc as poll because he has been racking those up. All right. Again, another weird ricochet shot, but I think that'll do it for our race predictions. Um, and that'll do it for the Eden Asphalt podcast. Exciting, man. Going back to the old, uh, the old homeland of Canada. Probably get a little bit of bacon on the maple syrup and, uh, you know, are you, why are you giving me that face when I say homeland? <laughs> that's that's exactly why I gave you that thing. <laughs> Who's Homeland? You know, probably some people. Uh, Shout out yeah. Austin McQuay, Austin James. Check him out on SoundCloud and Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the reason that we have a sweet intro. So Absolutely. Tip of the hat to him. Yeah, snaps up, snaps up. Um, anything to add before we send everybody off into the race weekend? No, stay hydrated, people. It's stay hot. Hydrated. It's fucking hot. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. We will see you after the Canadian Grand Prix. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.